When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come get some day 31 today with James Lott Jr. If you don't know who he is, we're going to get to the sum of him today. Uh, but first, I want to go ahead and address the tiny little hands in the room. That's right. A, a 68-year-old woman was decked and punched out at a Trump rally the other day. Proven once and for all that Trump supporters do not discriminate. That's right. They will punch anybody no matter what race, creed, or sex you are. They will cocock your ass. Oh, man. I'll tell you. Oh, the sixth call is in session today. But before uh, before we get to the interview, so let's say, speaking of calls, in case you're wondering, I have not heard anything back from David Miscavige for Scientology, in case you're wondering. It just... Uh, it isn't happening, I guess, on too small of a podcast uh, for their uh, big lies. The thing is, uh, you know, it's a little podcast, but I'm trying to make a big difference. Uh, interestingly enough, I just want to tell you guys about this. It's kind of funny. Um, I was curiously perusing uh, the, the, the Twitter world, and uh, in the Twitterverse, uh, some lady had innocently asked uh, Leah Remini about uh, the Scientology policy on disconnection, and uh, somebody uh, from Scientology, uh, a London rep, popped in with a link, uh, a bullshit link on why it's, it's not a policy anymore, but telling you it was, was, which is funny because anyone who's watched news or, or any kind of documentary has seen this policy uh, and, and affect the whole, um, the whole harassment thing. And the, the lady who <laughs> messaged uh, Leah says, Hey, with all due respect, I didn't ask you. I asked Leah Remy, and uh, and then Leah chimed in and said something. And like, well, I mean, they're they're harassing right now, and I I popped in because I like to interject myself and stuff to stop my business. And I said, Hey, look, you, Leah, you and uh, or this London rep is more than welcome to come on my podcast to discuss this. And uh, neither one had responded. But when I went back to see if there was a response, that London rep's account has been suspended. So that's weird. Uh, there you get a little little window into actual current modern day um, Scientology security. Uh, anyway, today is a fun podcast, not very serious. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to James Lott Jr. I think you're going to enjoy it. Here's part one right now. Okay, my guest this week is somebody who's played a big part in me being here today. Um, when I talk about getting into podcasting and broadcasting and interviewing people, I, a lot of times I mention how I've had a lot of help, uh, just confidence boosts from G.K. Bose and, and Bo Kowalski and, and the experiences with DeadX Radio. 
but somebody that doesn't get mentioned enough is my guest today. He is the host of all hosts, like the hardest working man in show business. <laughs> James Lott Jr. had a big part in it. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you. I like being called the hardest working man in show business. I do work a little bit, don't I? <laughs> you work a little bit, yeah. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> Just a little. I do a few. I do a few things. <laughs> now, now um, how are you today? I'm doing great. And yourself? Good, good, good. Now, I saw. Uh, I read a little bit earlier. You guys had a bit of an earthquake today. This is. Uh, we're filming this on the 12th of August. You had a little, little earthquake. Uh, yeah, yes. Actually, it was funny this morning around I think four or five in the morning. I'm laying in bed, and then I kind of woke up before it, like a minute before it. I'm laying in bed, half asleep, and all of a sudden I hear this noise. Because some earthquakes are very loud. For those of you guys who don't have earthquakes, <laughs> some you don't hear them, some you can actually hear them. And it was like this really loud, like short boom. It happened really fast. Shook my whole house. I'm like, oh, it was like really fast. And I had the TV on, because I posted the TV on, so I do some time. And they were right. like, oh, yo, we had an earthquake. Um, it was like a two point something, so really small for us. But I was near the epicenter. It was in Culver City. I live in a city next year called Eaglewood. So yeah, I had a little mini earthquake. How is that? Because I've never been. I've never even been. I never even set foot in California. What's it like to live in a place where earthquakes happen a lot? Um, it's funny because I grew up here, so I'm used to them. You're you're raised at birth to uh, <laughs> get under a table, you know, or hide in the in a you know in a doorway. It's very much like you're just used to them. Earthquakes to me are nothing. I've been in tornado watches. I've been in hurricanes. Mm -hmm. That stuff scares the crap out of me. Hurricanes. Earthquakes to me, eh, earthquakes are like whatever. You can't run from them. Right. It's the ground. It's literally the ground. The ones I've been in two major earthquakes. Um, we had one in, well, I've been in three. One I don't remember. It was back in 1971 in Los Angeles. But I've also been in the one in San Francisco in 1989 and the one in 1994 in L.A. And uh, they, were, they were like seven-pointers, six-pointers, seven-pointers. And those are scary <laughs> because the ground rolls. Like you can't gain your footing because the ground literally is like a way, like it's like an ocean. Maybe so, would you compare it to like a walking runway or like a like a, 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 a worse, worse. Oh wow, moving sidewalk. Because yeah. a walking runway, you can actually it's one speed and you can kind of match the speed. Where this, you can't match it. Oh, Being within thirty seconds, and it can be really like a deep, like a, like it's, to me, it's like swimming against the, the ocean or something. Like Oof. it's like a wave, and that one scares me more than the jolt. The jolts are kind of fun. You're like oh okay, <laughs> you know, a little shaking. Excuse me, but the rolling earthquakes that you can hear them rumble—that scares the crap out of me. Oh. A few of those, and they and they, they do a lot of damage. Those are the ones that do a lot of damage. The longer the earthquake, the more damage can be done. And I've been in one recently where it got stronger later in the in the shaking. Like it was oh. like it started off small, it got bigger and bigger. That to me, I'm like, okay, that's weird. And stuff started falling off my ceiling. So we're, we're used to them on some level. They're not fun. Say that, you can't predict it, right? No, you can't. They're trying. They're trying to. They're trying to figure out ways, but you really can't. Yeah, remember, remember back uh, like twenty years ago when there were like the big ones coming like any year now, and they were predicting it, and there was going to be like a yeah. 10.0 and the world was going to fall off the side of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did go see San Andreas. I did see 2012. <laughs> all those movies, and I love those movies. Actually, I love those movies. I'm a sucker for a big budget, you know, disaster film. 
Um, but no, I yeah, they they still predict it. That I'm going because I live in, I live in the ocean, <laughs> so I live in the airport in the ocean, and I keep saying that I'm gonna be in, I'm gonna be in the water. Because they, they say that you know actually an earthquake really happens, a tsunami will happen here. It can go as far as 20 miles. I'm I'm under 10 miles from there from the beach. Oh wow! Well, give or give or take <laughs> a million years, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I'll be dead by then. Hopefully, I'll probably still be working. Though. Um, You'll be working. Yeah. I'll be working on my new project. I'm sure I'll be 125. I'll still be working. Um, no, but yeah, I, it's, I'm not. I'm not even worried. It's just, it's just they're just a part of. It's just so we're so used to them, and I've, I've had many ones, little ones, big ones. So I'm just I'm used to it at this point. Yeah, it's for, for us, it's the hurricanes, you know, over here on the East Coast. But the um, one thing I'll say is uh, that made, I think, makes us kind of uh, a very similar and makes it easy for us to, to relate is that you're sort of like me in a way that you've always wanted to be in entertainment, but it took you to late in life to start uh, making your efforts towards it. Is that about, am I getting that about right? Oh, you mean how old I am? Yes. That's not what I meant. <laughs> no, I can't. No, I, I'm, very, I'm very proud of it. I came into this business in my late 40s, and uh, this goes to show that, you know, age is nothing but a number in terms of anything in most right. cases. Um, but, yeah, like you, yes, I, I've always, I mean, I grew up with, I mean, I grew up with people in my life who were entertainment. I had siblings who were actors. I mean, things like that, and I watched it. But I went a different pathway. I thought I should be a nurse, and I did all this other stuff. And then it came back around in my late 30s, kind of. And I started doing background acting. And I realized, I don't want to be an actor. Oh, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> I want to produce. I want to be in charge. I like being in charge. Right. And then it another, like, it took like another six, seven years. And finally, opportunities came my direction. And yes, so I'm in the, I'm in the biz now. I'm, I'm really entrenched, as you know, in the biz now. Yeah, entrenched is right. It all starts with just that first inkling. What was the first thing you did to, what was the first step you took? You know what I mean? I'm doing this rinky-dink startup podcast thing. How, <laughs> how, how did you get it going? <laughs> well, here's what's funny. I, you know, as we, as we know, networking, you know, reaching out to people, talking to people, that really can make a difference. Twitter is a really good resource for people. That's mm-hmm. my tip for everyone, and you can attest to that. You could just, you reach out to somebody in a friendly manner, with respect, and start talking to them, chances are people will talk back to you, and you start getting a rapport online, and you do it enough, they kind of know who you are from online, and that could lead to opportunity. Um, for right. me, it was, some, it was someone I was dating, was best friends with someone who was starting a show on AfterBuzzTV.com, and said to me, you should meet him. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm James. We started talking. And he's like, you should come on our show one day. It's like, a, it's like just a guest. Come on. Um, and that's how I kind of started. I was like, oh, okay, I'll come on as a guest. I had no clue what my world would be like a year later <laughs> at all. And you know. And it was like, but I just completely came on as an opportunity, a networking opportunity. He's like, sure, I'll come on. Be fearless. I'm like, sure, I'll do it. And then they said two weeks later after the show premiered, we need you to come on and guest host. That's how it all started. I, I never hosted my entire life. Right. I was like, yes, host. Like, what does that, what does that mean? And I got, I, but I was fearless. I go, sure, I'll do it. Because I wanted to be in entertainment. I really wanted to. I feel before that, I kind of started a couple of um, uh, web series I was working on. I was producing those myself. I had some friends help me be subjects. So I had one called um, A Lot Los Angeles. 
and I was just working. I was kind of working on that, and you know, nowadays you can get an iPhone and film whatever you want, right? Work it out, and so, but I was just kind of working on those my own and making my own way. I had, a, I, had a, I had a small following on my own, but it really was AfterBuzz TV and saying yes to that one guest hosting show, just that one, and what just that one. And when I came on set, and actually I'm sitting in the same the same company, um, I'm still here. You're and I, I sat there and I went, I'm home. You're home. I started. You just knew. I was home. I just knew. It's just like my calling and happiness. Like, screw everything else I was doing. This is what I want to be doing. So now, what do I do to make it happen? That's amazing. So, That's astounding. What? That's astounding. I mean, um, you were saying. Yeah. It just literally, so to answer your question from the beginning, that was the beginning. And then other steps happened that got me to where I am today. But that was the beginning. And uh, the whole podcasting thing for me was a radio show. What happened last year is that I had a blog, which I still have. It's superorganizeduniverse.com. Of course, I have to shamelessly plug myself. Right. Um, and uh, that blog was already going on for, I started in 2014. Um, so now we're at 2015. So about, it was up for about a year. And a radio station saw my blog. I was like, who's this guy? And they called me in for a meeting. Wow. And we sat down, and, and they said, do you want a show? I'm like, now, I've been wanting to be on radio since I had a guy a deep voice. Since my balls dropped, I got a deep voice. <laughs> I don't want to be on radio. Oh, my God. I was a big fan of Casey Kasem and Shadow Stevens and uh, Rick Dees. And, I mean, I was just like a huge morning show fan. Mark and there's some guys named Mark and Brian. Did a rock show. Um, Richard Blade, who was very big in the 80s. I mean, I was such a huge radio person. I was like, you want to get my own radio show? Like, oh my God. I was amazed. And again, I said, I'll be fearless. I had never done radio my entire life. I'm like, yes, I could do it. Wow. It's a, it's, and, yeah. It's like one of those things where uh, you weren't even expecting it. You weren't even looking for it. Nope. It was just, you just found it. Or it found you. Nope. I. I think it found me. Like, that's a good. That's a good point to say that because it's really funny. I wish I'd had like this. I worked for twenty years, but I really didn't. I kind of just like I work hard now. Once I get in, I work really hard. But like in the beginning, it was, I kind of again fell into it, and then they're like, "Then I had to go. I got to produce a show, which, as you know, takes some time. You got to plan these things. You got to work it out. What are you going to talk about? What's going on?" And I basically was like, "Oh, I'm an organizer. I, my business is called the Super Organizer." I can actually start a business. So I started a whole show based on my blog. And that was my first material for like the first 10 episodes, basically. Um, and then midway point, I revamped it. Now I have a newer show, um, same channel on AdrenalineRadio.com. And now I'm on iHeartRadio. And I feel like it's wow. so much bigger in the year. So yeah, but instead, Little Seed was like, I had some product out there, which was my blog, which got someone's attention. And I was just like, sure, what do you want, what do you want to talk about? Wow, that's amazing. I mean... I mean, I, you, you, a lot of people are, have the same plan, and it's just a matter of, of making it work uh, uh, for you. And, and it's something I've said all along, and I think you can agree with this. You, you didn't realize you were doing it, but you gave yourself that opportunity. If you don't give yourself that opportunity mm-hmm. and say, yes, I'll be a guest host of the show, maybe none of this happens, and you're, uh, you're right. a, a house nurse or something, or you're like a... At that point, well, a long time ago, I was a nurse. At that point, I didn't come up with that, but at that point, I was running my business as an organizer and life coach. I was doing that. 
but either way, I wanted I wanted to be in media somehow. So you're right. So I gave myself the opportunity by saying saying yes, say yes. So you know when you say. Yeah. When you say that you were doing these, you went this other direction. It was one of those things where, like, you wanted to be doing more, but you figured it was realistic and better grounded and better to make a living if you took up these other careers. Well, you know, uh, life happens, as yep. you and I both know. And I was a young parent, and I was also uh, so I had to like do you have to do take care of your child. You know, I'm taking you know at some point, um, you know, I was you know saving cans, I was drinking and getting diapers, going for diapers. I mean, like, didn't do what you have to do. So right. that was that. Part of it was kind of like the entertainment business is something really hard. Like you just think it's something really hard. Like it's hard to get into. So you're thinking, I can never get into that. I mean, that's something other people do. Um, but it really isn't that hard. That's what's so funny. It's like there are ways to get in it nowadays. Because like you do, it's like your own podcast. That's getting in the business. Um, I just completely just thought, take care of life, take care of my bills. I went into major debt in my 20s. I had to pay all that off in my 30s. I mean, I was, I was pretty doing other stuff. Then also psychologically, you think it's too late. You put these pressures on yourself because Hollywood is unforgiving. And it's very much like young, thin, and other <laughs> things. I won't get too political. Right. Um, but it's, it's young. Unless you want me to, I can't. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's other factors in there, too, that Hollywood says should be, should be popular. Um, but you know, but the whole young, the youth thing is very much very big. And it's like we got to be young to be in, in, the, in the in the business. And it's like not necessarily there's room for all ages. And so that's what I found when I when I kind of got into it. But yeah, I don't think I life just got in the way. And I once the kids were grown and I was tired of my jobs and I was in a better financial position, I was able to kind of go this direction and say yes. Wow, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it started with it started with Everett Buzz TV. Yes. And uh, that, and I'm looking at that. I was looking into it myself. I was just curious because it's so cool. You you pay to watch TV and talk about it. But do you get? But do you, is it? It doesn't look like a paying job from what I've seen. Or does it depend on where you rank within the within the organization? Because it's it's different now than when it started. I think. Yeah, uh, it's it's progressed. It's been around for like seven years at this point. Excuse me. So a lot of things have progressed, and of course, there are things I can't talk about, of course. But just that it's it's a it's a it's an organization full of people who are some are paid staff and some aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an opportunity for people to hone their craft and to make contacts and build their brand and build their audience on social media. We're very social media heavy, which, as you know, because yes. uh, you watched one of our shows that I did, and it's, we're very we're always about the fans, the followers. This is a fan-driven company. It's all about the interaction. Um, we get the stars in because let the stars know the fans want to see you. It will benefit you to come on our shows because it gets you to your fans. We would turn to watch your show and make it a huge hit. Uh, Maria Menounos, who is our fearless leader, and Kevin Undergaro, they both started this company, and that was their whole point. Um, but it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be like an extension of college, so to speak. Right. Uh, where you get to come in and get your feet in, make connection, and just do good work. It's on the internet, so it goes across the whole world. So it's like, you, you, know, you don't know who's watching you. Exactly. <laughs> and me and you keep becoming great. You don't know who's watching you, and how I got involved with the next radio, too, because they were fans of mine also. You, don't know, you never know who's watching you. So that's kind of the thing here. So sometimes if you're not getting paid here, it's still just as beneficial if you work it enough. You can get the paying gigs because now you have a hosting reel. Now you have connection. Maria Menounos is a big name. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen for you while you're here. 
Right. So while you're at After Buzz, you've been doing um, after sh- after shows for several shows. Um, what was yeah. the to you the most uh, rewarding for you? What, what do you like doing the most, or does that get you in trouble with the other show you're hosting? <laughs> I'm always very candid. I can think of what I want. Um, well, here's <laughs> the thing for me. Um, there, there's two different parts of me here at After Buzz. I'm also a creator and producer. So I'm a creator and producer, and I'm also a host. So in a way, the most rewarding are the three shows that I created, casted, and I currently produce, which are the soap shows, GH Report, Restless Wrap-Up, and The Bold Breakdown. Uh, every Sunday, we have, a, we have a soap block every Sunday, which also includes Dish and Days, Days of Live Show, but I don't produce it to that. I used to, I used to do that when I was a co-host for a year, and I got very popular being on that show. That <laughs> show gave me my first taste of kind of fandom. Was that wow. one? But the other three, I, I created them. I'm the I'm the I'm the creator and executive producer of these three shows. I can say I actually created shows for a TV network that is on my resume now, and I'm currently running them. And how does that work? So, You're going well. We don't have shows for these yet. Let's do these. Is something like that, or? Well, so I opened my mouth. I said, "You have the Israel live show. It's very popular. Um, what about doing General Hospital? I started with one. What about General Hospital? They're like James." that you put it together. Find the cast. We'll do two cast shows. Just that that. That's what I did. You told me, they told me what to do. I probably said, I found a cast, put it together, they loved us. And then once those two shows were running really well, I said, we should finish the other two. So there's only four soaps left on the air. We should finish the other two. So then, we, and I said, they said, James, put it together. So I put together two other shows. So that's, that's, that's kind of what they, they were very open to the possibility of having um, the soaps are a large audience. The soaps are a fabric of America. You know, that's a big deal. So that's kind of my thing. But now, also to answer your question, on the other side of that, I've done after shows for so many shows. Mm-hmm. I do uh, Under the Dome, Impastor TV, um, I mean, like, I mean, Mysteries of Laura, uh, Lachey's Bar. I mean, I've done, a bunch, I've done, you know, a bunch of them. So I do Big Brother right now. Um, the one that's most rewarding out of those, Zoo is one that I really love because that's the first one I ever lead hosted on. I was always a co-host. Right. That was the first one I lead hosted on and gave me my my first, like, fans were like, oh, my God, James is a great lead host. It was kind of fun. Impastor, which, you know, I love that. That show was a big one for me because I came on just to help out. <laughs> Right. And a little shout out to my girls, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. I met them. We all fell in love. Awesome hosts, by the way. Like, oh, yes. They're great hosts. They have a good little plug for them. They have a radio show in L.A. called It's Complicated. It's so good on latalkradio.com. You should go there and check them out. Complicated. Um, they're my girls. They're my girls. And we clicked. We said, wow, the two girls and me together is comedy goal. It actually works. And they're friends with Michael Rosenbaum who's the lead of Impastor. So as you know, he used to come on the show all the time. We bring other guests on. The show was so much fun to do. We were so loose. Yeah, I saw so some of that. <laughs> oh, my God. We did, a, we did a show once. I tell you about in the whole world. I've done one show drunk. I don't remember it. <laughs> I've done 200 hours of live television, and there's one show to this day I don't remember it live. I had to watch it later to see what happened. <laughs> and luckily, I wasn't that bad. It was just like, that was a little too much for me. We had so much fun. And the girls and I were still friends to this day. And we have a good time. We talk. 
And, when it, and it's supposed to come back this summer, but now it's coming back in the fall. You guys going to be doing it? So we are. Yes, we're going to be doing it. We'll we be covering it, all right. We were ready to do it this summer, and they pushed it to September like, 28th. So Excellent. So, Nelly, Jennifer Gold, and I will be back. Excellent. And while you were on After Buzz TV, what was the what was like the best interview you've had? I, I don't want you to have to pick favorites, but what, what really stood out to you as the interview that, that you said, oh, this was a great one. I want people to see this one. Uh, well, I can tell you, I, I had two, two people that were dreams for me, full circle moments. Uh, Ed Asner. Oh, wow. I did, I, did a, I did a spotlight on with Ed Asner um, earlier this year. Phenomenal. And he's 81 years old. And it was just me and him, and he was a pistol. Oh, my God. But he gave good dirt about Hollywood. I mean, some good dirt. It was, oh, my God. Him and Cloris Leachman, he said that Mary Tyler Moore had great boobs. <laughs> and it was, like, it was just like the greatest interview. It was like it was so much fun. At the very end, he said to me, I was a lovely host. You will never forget me. That's great. In my hand. I almost cried like a big baby. I almost sobbed the ugly cry. I was like, oh, my God, it has love me. It's a legend, um, yeah. <laughs> a legend. He's a legend, and he's a nine-time Emmy winner. So, but also Eric Braden from Young and the Restless, who plays Victor Newman. He played it for forty years. Oh yeah. He also was in the sixties. As he was in Rap Patrol in the sixties. He was in Titanic. He's been, he's been around. He's a and he's known for being a very tough guy. And doesn't suffer fools lightly. I was so that's one the only one I was ever nervous. I'm never really nervous with these interviews, but I was very nervous with him. He walked in, and he shook my hand, and we started talking about. Boxing in the Hood. <laughs> and he loved me. And he said, here's one, he said, it's a little inside juice for you guys, too. Normally, when I do an interview, the publicist is inside, maybe a few people make up people's real are inside with us during the interview. He wanted a closed set. Oh, wow. Just me and him. Just me and him. Just real. And it was real. And we talked for an hour, and he said on air, you can watch it on air, and I'm supposed to see me, he said, I was the best host he ever had, interview he ever had, since Larry King. Wow. I literally almost cried like a baby when he said that. I think I know why, and this is something I've, I've actually kind of studied a little bit about you, James, and you know, I didn't spend like hours and hours studying, but something about you that I've taken, <laughs> yeah, I put in the, I got notebooks and, no, uh, <laughs> one thing, <laughs> One thing I've noticed about you that I wanted to apply to the way I do my interviews, and uh, you told me to do this, but I was already doing it before you told me because I had observed it, and that was when I get someone in an interview that I know has been interviewed by 80 people before me, and I, as, you know, I don't want to copy or repeat other interviews, but as research you tend to watch because you might find that little tidbit yeah. you didn't catch uh, before, yeah. I don't want my interview to sound like the last 80 interviews. Um, so I do those little tricks that you, that, that I see you do sometimes where you ask a different kind of question, or you might ask the same question a different way, or you may actually answer the question with an elaborate question attached to it, um, for yourself, for them. And I think that's, that's, that's valuable. Plus you came in like I did, <laughs> like, I, I haven't gotten anywhere yet, but if you come in the way I'm coming in and that was... Well, that is as a real person without years and years of extensive formulaic training where you have to follow specific procedures so you come off as a human being and I think that's invaluable to these celebrities you hit something that's actually perfect um, yes I'm a regular guy who's not been jaded by the industry and so I come in you know totally prepared 
I know my. I know my. I don't know if you cussed on here or not, but I you know can. It's PG thirteen. You can. Oh. I know my shit. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I, know, no, I, I do. I, that's, that's right. I'm, I'm well prepared. I do the work. So trust me when I do interviews. If you see me do five interviews in one day, I did work for each of those five interviews. Like it was hard work. I'm ready. But then I come into the room and I stay present. And I just go, okay, I have my research, but again, I don't have to live by it. Right. Talk to the person. Be like you just said, be a real person and just talk to them because they've been asked. Someone like Ed Asner has been interviewed for 50 years. There's nothing, there's nothing I could, that you could do that he hasn't been asked already. But yes, there is things you can ask that he's not been asked before. And I found a way to ask questions, like you said, in a way that is different and also more down home. I'm like, okay, tell me about Mary Tyler Moore. How was she in the makeup? Like, just how you do it. You find other questions then. What was it like kissing sounds? Like, everybody, that's a boring question. Right. You ask a question that's kind of more off-center, they'll give you the dirt. They'll tell you what's going on. They'll give you a story. Because what you want is you want a good, not just an answer, you want a good story. Right. You want them to give you something that they didn't tell anybody else. They'll make your podcast or your show interesting. That, uh, Eric Braden talks about Marlon Brando when he worked with him and Marlon Brando the way he would learn a line and then crumble the paper and throw it away and know him just like that right I've never heard it before i never heard that before wow that's pretty cool but he, but he right but, but he told me that story it was, like, it was great I mean it was like so just you know stay present stay unjaded stay real and then the answer the questions will come to you you have your cheat sheet you have your notes they're good but like I'm Mr. Like just like I'm in the moment. You're my buddy. Let's have a conversation and let's bring something out of you that no one knows about. And another thing you should tell people out there if they do this business: a great interviewer is someone who's excited, who actually is interested in the subject or or the subject, whoever they are. You have right. to be interested because you want the audience to be interested with you. Because if you're bored, they're bored. And there you have part one of James Lodge Jr. Uh, great, great guy to have on. And we, we continue the great fun of uh, relatable conversation and helps that we're friendly outside of the, of the entertainment world. Uh, we're able to have a very smooth conversation. Uh, you'll see next week, we talk more about uh, Black Hollywood Live, uh, some of the influential uh, aspects of that show and what that means to, to James and, and to anybody really. Also uh, his future plans, his goals, what he hopes to have happen. Uh, and 10 questions, as always. So for more fun with James Lodge Jr., make sure you come back next week. For now, that about sums it up. Have a great week, everybody. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. I even had a gift for a 